0: I played on Conan O'Brien show with Pretty Lights. Oh wow! And we did that one song, and Talib came as the special guest, and we, we you know, connected. Connect, we were hanging out for Rocker. a couple days, so um, he was kind enough to, to you know, do do a sixteen bar verse on, on a pretty obscure developing artist's yeah. record, which which is huge.
1: We're here today with my guest Will Maggid. Hello, Balkan Bump. Good to have you, man. Good to be here, yeah. Jeffy.
0: Yeah, what a what a. Cool honor to be one of your first guests. My very
1: first guest. Welcome to a path unfolding. Yeah. So yeah, as my first guest, I just wanted to like kind of introduce the podcast, the ideas that I was thinking, you know, my my goal with this is really to tell your story and for us to explore like a creative artist journey. In time, challenges, obstacles, lessons learned. Yeah. And really just all, really just story time, though. Like, tell us all your wonderful stories. Definitely. And And inside of that, hopefully we can learn a few
0: things. Oh, that, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's very much, I'm definitely on a path, and it is unfolding. So this is, <laughs> we'll talk about that in Yeah,
1: I love it, man. It's great. Yeah, so... Um, I was, in my research, I found your your new song, which is, say it for me. Robert. Robot. Robot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What does that mean? It's the, it's the capital of Morocco. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, I was just inspired by a lot of the different musical traditions, like North African music traditions and Ottoman music traditions that have kind of passed through that area. And um, Beautiful. Yeah, I've actually never been there. Yeah. Um, so, but I was just feeling like, when I, it's, it's so first of all it's, it's hard to name instrumental pieces when you're yeah. making instrumental music <laughs> there's no lyrics or anything so like just to certain extent like most song names are kind of random when, when it comes to instrumental music or yeah or or, or um just referential in some ways um, so
1: well and i would just love to hear like a little bit of the story of how you put it absolutely together. yeah roll the clip
0: so. so where did you guys film this uh, we filmed this in joshua tree um it really turned out cool. Uh, you can't film drones in national parks. Right. This was a property literally like right on the line of the national park that um, a videographer, Patrick's friend, owns. Um, so, yeah, it was private property, like mm. basically in, in, in the same scenery as Joshua Tree National Park, but wow. on private property. That's very lucky. Yeah, it was so really who cool. who are we looking at here? You so there? this is uh, my trio um, uh, on the Ood. Um, the the lute, kind of the guitar looking thing um, is Mazatar um, and on clarinet is Maven. Um, these are two artists in their own right that have their own music and careers and I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to be uh, to have them on, 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 on the path with me, you know and we're, we've been doing uh, quite a lot of shows for the last two years together.
1: Yeah, I think the last time I saw you and you were in town, I got to open up for you at Empire right. And they played with you. And now that I'm watching this video, I feel like you guys really congealed as a band during that time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like also like that you're just kind of hitting some new levels or some new places in your music. Mm -hmm. That's just me. As a trio. Yeah. 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 And that maybe that they're contributing more, at least on this song. Is that true?
0: Yeah. I I mean, I I definitely, during the pandemic, like got pretty lonely on a collaborative um, sort of sense because like while I did do some collaborations you know, over the internet um, um, I grew up always playing live music with people in yeah. bands and like seeing friends play music and and there's a there's a um, a beautiful thing that happens when you're on the bandstand with, with peers um, you inspire each other but you also like um there's like a, always like a, I think most musicians experience this, whether or not they, they they describe it as a different story. But there's like a little dose of like um, competitiveness too. Mm. That's healthy. Yeah. When you have other great musicians on stage with you, you see them and like they take a great solo, and you're like, okay, I got to step it up when I take a solo. Yeah. You know, so it's impossible to get complacent. Nice. When you have a good band. Yeah. Um, when you have people that that are are are, are like constantly advancing their own musical abilities it kind of forces you to do the same um and like what's really cool about three musicians i really think three is a really magical number um there's so many different combinations right there's like if i play trumpet Maven plays clarinet and moz plays like oud and sitar and flutes and all these things so it's like there's so many combination of textures trumpet by itself clarinet by itself clarinet and trumpet, oud with the clarinet, oud with the trumpet, oud by itself, all three of us together, and then that's only the instruments, and you talk about different, like, ranges on their instruments, different ways that um, the instruments can sing in different registers and different volumes, Uh, there's just so many colors to play with as a, as a orchestrator and also just as an improvisatory musician.
1: Wow, there's a lot, there's a lot there, so just the, the the fun that you can have with the arrangement. And the way that the, t- the instruments play off of each other is like almost sounds almost unlimited.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like, I mean, I, I've been doing this tour recently. Um, you're catching me right in the tail end of it yeah. with Moonhooch, which okay. um, they're an incredible trio. Uh, I mean, Jesse, you, you came to the show last night, so you yeah. have to see them. <laughs> um, and the irony of it is I've been doing this tour with this amazing trio uh, as a solo act. Um, I wasn't able to bring my trio on this run. Um and that's been uniquely challenging too, because I'm like, okay, I've, I've felt like I've had to step it up as a solo performer to try to like give as good of a show by myself. Right. So I'm really excited to see what happens next week when I when the trio is coming back. Yeah, I'm gonna be with them again. I have this whole like new energy and intensity to my my own solar performance, adding them to the mix. I and mean, what I think I'm gonna have to do is like back off a little bit of my own performance. Like open up space for for these two really talented people. Wow! Yeah. Or still, you know, give people um, the, the the most epic performance I can do. So it's a balancing act.
1: When I saw you last at Empire versus this time, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like you said, you were with your band last time. This time you're solo, but like you, know, you played some of the same songs. Yeah. But your your versions of that. You seemed like you were reworking songs mm-hmm. for just for to play by yourself, and then how do you how do you approach that from like uh, you know when you're trying to open for someone versus or even like what you're saying now you're going to go back on like you've you're going to go back into rehearsals totally. and do the show just Yeah. For yeah.
0: That. yeah, I mean it, it's um I guess I'm I I grew up playing jazz so like for me <laughs> for me music is like essentially organized chaos. Yeah. I mean it's embracing my favorite music i think is like embracing the moment and being able to be present in the moment and and make um make the most like connection possible to that moment with whoever is in the room yeah um and and um i think i think having different um ensembles and different formats where it's like headlining with a trio or doing like a solo show by myself or like playing a huge stage at a small festival versus, like, a tiny stage at a huge festival. I mean, these these are all radically different mm. environments. Um, sometimes you're playing for a house of people that know all of your songs, and sometimes you're playing for, you know, um, a house of people that, that that are there to see someone else, and you have to, like, win them over. Yeah. Um, so this all informs definitely the sets I make, but it also just informs, like, you know, when you're open and you have, you have a little bit more to prove, really, because, yeah. like, no one's... They could easily they can easily just not enjoy your set yeah. and still be okay. Yeah. You know, like, like you have, there's less on the, t- there's less writing on it because like the audience like is there to see the headliner. Sure. So as an opener, I always am like wanting to just put on the, the craziest best show ever. I mean, like I always tell people if you have me open for you, you can like count we will over deliver.
1: Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> had them in your, you had them in the palm of your hand. Last night. It was and so fun. And so it was great. Yeah. Um, and I think you talked a little bit as as we've been hanging out today, like uh, playing more electronic fo- mm-hmm. focus shows versus now, like for people that don't know Moon Hooch, it's a trio, two saxophones, one's a bass sax and one's just a regular sax.
0: Yeah, so the two sax players play a, a variety of different saxes. Right. Both of them play very low instruments as well as higher instruments. But yeah, one guy plays bass sax and tenor, and the other guy plays tenor, barry, and contrabass clarinet
1: oh wow i've never heard which of is that. a very uncommon instrument yeah um and then the drummer oh yeah size what, on. is a machine he's insane like locked in that was that was maybe that but Dude, he was
0: so he's so good on. he's so locked in it, you know it's crazy I, 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 we were just talking about the other day. He, he told me that that like and i believe this he watches videos of himself and like can't believe that that's him like meaning like <laughs> what he does when he Plays mm-hmm. is like a different, um like consciousness level. Mm. Like as a normal human, he can't even understand what he's able to do when he's in that sort of moment and in in in, wow. in the presence of of music. Full flow, full flow. Yeah, like it, it, it's like it's like you hear about like you know people when like their their child is in danger, like having. Great strength it's like it's like that with music for him like he just enters some other place where like you don't even think that things are possible like like one of the the things um i know this podcast isn't about size one but but it's all good (laughs) one of the things that blows me in my mind about him is like so to trap as a genre Uh one of the things that's really cool about trap is the hi-hats are so fast right and i think one of the reasons why i think a lot of people like find it cool because it almost sounds impossible how fast the hi-hats are it's so fast like if you grew up playing music it's like Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. So he, he can do all that stuff on high like it's because it sounds impossible that it's so cool and, yeah. and yet it's possible. And not sloppy. And not sloppy. And he was on. he yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I would say the word that came to mind is a man possessed. Like yeah, yeah. Exactly. His eyes, like you know, it was just and he did look like he had something to prove. It yeah. It sounded yeah. like he was like I would catch yeah, him yeah, like yeah. watching looking at the other guys in the band almost like, Did you did you see what I just did? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Okay. No, he's he's, <laughs> mean, he's
0: young. He's like in his early twenties. Wow. You said he'd been touring for 10 years. They have. He's yeah. been with them for 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 okay. just a few years now. Okay, but um, but yeah, they've been they've been torn like I think about 200 shows a year um for the last decade uh you know with the exception of, of the pandemic they wow. slowed down for a second. So
1: after this you go back out on tour yeah with, with the trio band, with the trio yeah and then you've got Jim and Jam coming up
0: Jim and Jam and then a bunch of headline shows um around, around the lighting US. in a bottle lighting in a bottle I'll see you there going <laughs> to be so fun I'm so excited for yeah. This.
1: Um, for anybody that doesn't know, I I help run or I, I stage manage the Thunder Stage at Lightning yeah. a Bottle, which is like one of my greatest honors. Such and a sweet stage. Every year it just proves to be one of the best festivals in the United States. And yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was stoked I got booked in the Thunder Stage. Yeah, man. That's really, That's really awesome. cool. It was my first like first kind of like, you know, time playing Lighting a bottle on one of their main stages. So
1: Well done. We'll we'll see you there. So, yeah, one of the ways that you and I know each other is through Closy, where Mm -hmm. we were lucky enough to have you come out during Coachella, which, you know, for us was a huge moment for her and her career. Yeah, And, like, as we were preparing for that, we were thinking, like, we need to have more moments on stage. Mm This is something I think, again, like, when I watch your sets you have these high highs and low lows like same with beats antique like like it's more of a show than a set mm-hmm. and uh, i really wanted to have you know she did too as well like have moments where this, all of something new was introduced to the stage and so like you guys collaborated on this track and then you were able to come out and play like how was that yeah for you?
0: that was a that was a pretty pretty much a dream call i mean i i looked up to close you for a long time before working on that track with her um and then we had released it, um, I believe that was kind of the premiere of the song, actually. Yeah. I think we released it the following week. Yes. Which was, I mean, what a cool way to release a track, yeah. you know, with, with someone you admire so much and um, and getting to, to do that not just one weekend, but two weekends, you know, it was so cool. Um, and uh, yeah, it felt really good, like just, you know, jumping on stage and adding that that burst of energy for, for you know, kind of a key moment in her in her set um yeah it was a really really amazing experience yeah i mean
1: i I was there the first weekend and i say you know it was it was kind of tough like it was during the day yeah it wasn't like you know everyone there was not a closey fan some people were hearing her for the first time it's a really big stage i think like wiz khalifa played that stage later and like brought out like multiple cars and vans on right like super big wide stage and so when we were like looking at this like we've got to
0: try to fill this thing up so totally
1: for me when you came out on stage I could see like people really like tune back in totally caught their attention which was which was awesome yeah
0: I mean it's definitely definitely a challenge like like um Coachella is you know such a flagship festival um but it's also not like an underground festival It, it attracts people from from all walks of life who you know are coming from from very different musical places so like um, you know when you're doing music that's coming from more underground culture like like Closey's is and my my own music as well, yeah. and then presenting it on a mainstream festival <laughs> Wow, take three uh-huh. <laughs> at least that happened now. <laughs> it was like three minutes in. That was great.
1: Oh, we have a very smart, dumb house right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's- let's just keep going so. So okay. you you were saying like <laughs> Coachella is kind of like a, a broad like there's a lot of people that come to Coachella absolutely
0: and you know anyway, and and to, be to totally frank not a lot of people there aren't even there for the music you know yeah. they're for the fashion and the the merry-go-round and the photos just and to the, be there with friends and just to be there the with party. friends just to like oh yeah. I guess I'll go to Coachella why not yeah um so it, it's a very different audience in like these like you know transformational festivals like like um, that close you know. Um, would headline now, yeah. you know, like lightning in a bottle, uh, Envision, Electric Forest. Um, these these are the type of places where, like, I think I think this more like instrumental um, music um, is 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 more embraced, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it was definitely a challenge, like playing. Right. Uh, I, I know I know Chloe um, was challenged by that as well, like trying to be true to herself, but also put on a performance that like yeah. would make sense in that context.
1: And you played the Do Lab stage recently? Yeah,
0: yeah. I also got yeah, I got down there with my own project with Balkan to do uh, a set at, at the Do Lab stage at Coachella this last year. It was also, like you know, it was so funny. It was like the set of the year in so many ways that I was like that. All my friends are asking me about, mm-hmm. and like people, you know, this, it, all my my family and friends were like, you know, I mean, to be honest, we're like bragging about that. Oh, my son's playing Coachella, you know, it's like whatever, and mm-hmm. and, and um, but it turns out it was like probably our worst set of the year. Like I've noticed a lot. I'd say it like. I mean, we, we had a we had a decent crowd. Of people showed up for us, but it was during the day, mm-hmm. peak peak heat. You know, like one, like right after the doors open and the do live stage is like the opposite side of the the fa- the fairgrounds from the doors. So, like, like literally, like it it it's a remarkable anyone was was there at all. If you just think about it from like yeah. just a logistics, logistics perspective, like getting up, getting ready, get yeah, the so festival. hot, yeah. Like, yeah, you're gonna bake in the sun, totally. Like half, yeah. all my friends in the industry were like dude I can't make it to your yeah. set you know like yeah so so it was um it was amazing I mean I'm, I'm stoked that do love invited me to play and um we we had a, we had a really good time and, and people did show up and, and it was it was a party for sure um yeah. but uh also radically different playing in like like the middle of the day and peak sun you know and it was super funny because they have these um Part, part of the labs thing is cause it's so hot, they have these like water guns and they like shoot people with water and it's, it's super fun. And yeah. I think that's part of the attraction to come there is like, you get to cool off and this beautiful shade structure that they built. But because we have all these like sensitive musical instruments, like I didn't really want like the water stuff happening. Yeah. Cause like the clarinet as an example, it's a very delicate wooden yeah. instrument with all these keys and pads. Like if, if one of those pads get wet, mm. it, it could like destroy the instrument. Oh, I didn't know that. So we like, we like unfortunately had to tell like the water people to like not squirt water everywhere. Oh.
1: Kabosh on the yeah, water. Yeah. <laughs> and like,
0: so many people were like, like in the front row, like, like kind of confused why they weren't getting sprayed with, with oh. this water. It was so funny. <laughs>
1: Tell me, tell me how that collab came together. Oh, with Chloe? Yeah, you're
0: partially responsible for it, I yeah. think. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, <laughs> if I remember correctly, um, Chloe started working on a track with the intention of it being a Beats Antique collaboration, mm. and then for whatever reason, Beats had their own release cycle. It wasn't; it, it never came to fruition. So she was just kind of sitting on the session, and then um, I had seen her play um, in San Francisco. At ten fifteen Folsom, just like on a whim, I had a gig around the corner. I was like, How cool is these plans? So I like dipped out of my gig for a half an hour and watched her set. It was blown away. Um, so she was definitely someone that I wanted to work with. And um, yeah, I think, think I had met you um, at the Grammatic show. You came out when mm-hmm. I was doing Grammatic. I believe either like I reached out to you or my manager reached out to you about something, and then it just came up. And yeah, she sent me the stems, and I just started working on it before we even met.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. really? You had never yeah. The song we and, met at oh, that Beats epic. Antique show when yeah. she was
0: opening up. It was it was so it was Red Rocks. Yeah. Closey was the first act, uh-huh. and then and then it was Beats and Polish Ambassador. Right. Um, this was obviously years ago. Did you
1: played in the Beats yeah, show? And right? it's so
0: sort of crazy now. Yeah. Closey will sell at Red Rocks in like for <laughs> yeah. four and a half minutes or something. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was playing trumpet with Beats Antique. Yeah. And that was the first time I met her in the green room. And her, her agreement, we had already started working on the song at that point.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that part yeah. of the story. I, I love that song. To me, it's like this like call to arms, or we're going to battle. It's very, yeah, very triumphant. Like yeah. Did you? I mean, obviously, you wrote the trumpet part, or how did? Yeah. So, so sure. So
0: so a lot of the melody, the the A section, which is like you know, do, 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 which is played on Ood mm-hmm. is actually like an old klezmer song, like public domain. Um, klezmer song that's typically played like it's kind of a beat a B-less song like you don't really hear it at the klezmer jams too often but uh-huh. but um yeah basically Varshavart like slowed it down put more of like a turkish feel in it with, the, with some of her drums and some of her vocal chops and then that 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 B section was just like my imagination running right. wild when like kind of it almost feels like the track speeds up and the, but it doesn't it just goes to double time on the on the oud and then it, it it kind of explodes with this like big kind of fanfare trumpet part, um, which was a uh, yeah kind of my 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 way of trying to give like the impact of like an electronic drop with 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 a uh, with, with while like staying true to like like the beat that she made and my trumpet without adding like crazy like wubs and like dubstepy stuff. I was like, how do I make this? A fat drop here, yeah. know I, th- <laughs> I, mean, I think you nailed it. <laughs> it was really yeah, fun. I
1: mean, it has that like for me when that part yeah. hits, like it just you just yeah, it's like, let's go, go, yeah, let's go, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
0: and I had a lot of fun. It's one of those things too where it's like the buildup is kind of in double time, and then when the drop happens, I keep a lot of the elements in double time, mm. but then the, the kick and the snare go back to the original time feel so it kind of keeps pushing even though it like lands. It's like oh, a really kind of a fun thing fun like love musical that. device i, I was love, playing with
1: i love that type of like arrangement yeah you know, how, how you can put things with the songs and kind of put that feeling or pulling back or tension building with yeah like that that's awesome that actually i wanted to ask you another question like do you do you write songs for the stage or with playing them on stage in mind now yeah or have you been on you, know, you go out on tour and then you come back and you know was it, working out there
0: a hundred percent yeah <clears throat> um In fact, one of the hardest parts about the the pandemic was, like, not having stages to test my music on. Um, Because that's, like, such a huge part of it now. Like, not just thinking about being on stage, but thinking about, like, what frequencies, like, different sound systems. As my project gets bigger, I'm playing on bigger stages. So, like, I can actually start making songs in lower keys. Mm. It's such a silly thing that I never thought about when I was younger. But, like... What's
1: the lowest you can go? Like, like
0: comfortably, like, without a doubt, with, like, most venues that I'm playing in, like, I would say... Mm, e, mm-hmm. which is the key of our show, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most venues though uh, go down to like a, like D, which is like a lot of closey songs are actually in D. Yeah, um, which is funny because when you listen to her music on like headphones or at home, it sounds like really nice. But then when you listen to it like at a festival, it's like
1: yeah. slamming huge, oh, and that, that's wow. because
0: of that sub bass yep. you're not hearing at home, mm-hmm. but when you're at these festivals, it's singing through the speakers. Mm. And um, but more often, more often now, like. The bigger festivals, you can like go down to like a low C, but like I, I wouldn't dare do that yet. I mean, if wow. close, you could probably do that now because she's like headlining the main big stages. And you but, just
1: know that's going to be like one of your big impacts. Yeah, but
0: like, but like most sound systems will sound weird if you, if you make songs in that key. Because so.
1: they, <laughs> they don't have the power and they yeah, don't have a big enough driver. Or they
0: shit. don't have yeah the big enough subwoofers, basically. Wow. <laughs> you just need like, yeah, like with subs, they just need to be like huge. That's so funny. My
1: my mom came to that Red Rocks show that you're talking about, oh, yeah. and she got to like experience Red Rocks and and see a show for like the first time. And after the closing set, I went up and like said, said you know was hanging out with her, and she was like, "I get it now." And she had never really experienced like a modern day mm-hmm. sound system with electronic music, really yeah, hitting, yeah, and how much you feel that in your body cavity and. It's resonates inside of you and she really got oh that's
0: so cool she was like i get it now i get it now that is so cool this whole time she's like what is my son doing yeah no i mean she got it but she
1: hadn't really ever had her moment
0: with yeah, it. yeah it was yeah. like whoa this is this that's know. so cool to yeah. hear i mean you know like everything out of context like yeah sometimes doesn't make full sense yeah. like and also on the flip side of, of bass, like um when you have a large venue full of people yeah. they absorb the high frequencies mm. You know, and, and the and the upper mids too, because we're just like like giant like sponges walking around, basically. <laughs> so, um, basically, unfortunately, like a mix that sounds great um, in isolation on a sound system in your in your bedroom or like with headphones on, like when you're at a venue like full of people, will actually sound kind of muffled. Mm. So you actually have to when you're playing, and I learned this from Grammatic. And I was like listening to his mix, and like in check. I'm like, this is really harsh. Right, it like kind of doesn't sound great. Like mm. to a certain degree, and then when it's packed with people, the snares yeah. are just hitting. Everything's like the hi hats are sizzling. Everything's like going just right. Wow, you know when you when you have two thousand bodies absorbing a, uh, the sound. So like that really struck me too. Like oh wow, like I, it's weird to think about that. But when you're mixing music for the live environment with that with that intention, you do have to make adjustments to like yeah, what environment you're playing. You know. Mm.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of grammatic, like I yeah. wanted to go back and talk about
1: how you guys met and that whole journey with him. Cause obviously he was kind of a pivotal person yeah. in your life.
0: Yeah. He basically helped, help launch the Balkan Bomb project. Um, which was wild. I mean, I, I'd been a grammatic fan since like, he, you know, the street banger records. I think the first track I heard of him was a uh, hit that jive jack, you know, which was just like a swing in like, Hit that jazz, yeah. Put it in your palm. It's like yeah. just straight up. You know, I grew up swing. playing jazz, yeah. straight up swing, and then the <laughs> really nice swing hip hop thing. Because at that time, you know, the electro swing was big, mm-hmm. but but very people. I didn't even know what to call it. It was like swing hop. Like right. you know, I it's like this like jazzy hip hop thing that was like had as much roots in like you know, um, like underground hip hop as it did kind of like. I mean, EDM wasn't even really, a, like, such a thing back then. I mean, like, house music was, but, right. like, yeah. this, like, bass music. Not at all. You know? Yeah. Like, this is, like, I don't even know what, what year I'm talking about here, 2007 or something like that. Yeah, 2000, six, like,
1: early, two, like, mid-2000s. Five, yeah, I don't six, know. <laughs> seven, eight. I mean, I know I used to play a lot of his music in my sets, and I always felt like they would bridge that gap that you're talking about. You could go from electronic to hip-hop. Yeah, yeah where there's perfect. Like, I mean, to me, it was almost like trip hop.
0: Yeah, trip hop. Trip hop is down-tempo. kind of tempo. Would be like the contemporary yeah. thing at that point. I suppose. But he was
1: doing great. Down-tempo, with yeah. like, like referencing you know music from all around the world. And totally, in, and yeah,
0: yeah. And he had, he had he had he had a song called like the Balkan Express. Yeah. And another song called the drink is called uh, Rakia. So he he he, he yeah, and reference he had like sitar in one piece. Mm-hmm. Sitar shop was the name of that tune. So I was always really digging digging his music like like one of my i would, i would I would literally say like one of my favorite producers um, um and then you know when he signed a pretty Lights label, his career like really blew up in the u s and then he like you know signed Grizz and put out some of uh, Grizz's early music, um which is how I found out about Grizz and of course, like you know <laughs> Grizz is blown up, so he he was just one of these guys just in the middle of all these like different intersections of um where i, I I, I found myself in electronic music, you know, where I found a voice as a trumpet player and mm-hmm. as a horn player playing like funkier global music. Um, you know, him and, and, and beats antique and Bonobo, you know, a handful of people were mm-hmm. like the artists that I felt like I would love to open for one sure. day and like release music yeah. in their worlds because it, it felt like they were, they were yeah creating a blueprint of something. Blazing, Blazing and, um, sure. and, um, remarkably, all, all three of those artists are people that I've, I've worked with and played played with, which is wild um, at this point. And, and uh, but the grammatic thing, um, I had put out just just on like SoundCloud and YouTube um, one one beat called uh, Earphone, which was like a Balkan sax mixed with with, with tra- a trap beat. Basically, I replaced the hi hats, like blazing fast hi hats of trap music, with like blazing fast sax that my buddy played. Um, put it up on YouTube, and then I was working on an EP of like similar music. Um, one of the tracks had Talib Quali on it, um, who I'd met through working with Pretty Lights. Because um, um, he, he sang a track on Color Map of the Sun, Around the Block, was a track right. on that album. Um, and I played on Conan O'Brien's show with Pretty Lights. Oh, wow. And we did that one song, and Talib came as the special guest. and we, we you know, Connected. Connected. We were hanging out for Parker. a couple of days. so. Um, he was kind enough to, to, you know, do, do a 16 bar verse on, on a pretty obscure developing artists record, which, which is huge. I mean, he's, he's a really genuine, um, guy that's never gotten too hung up in the hype cycle, which, which I really admire. Um, anyway, so I, I had this, this kind of single and this like EP that I was working on and, um, uh, my, my buddy Oz McGuire, um, who I worked with in San Francisco, um, was connected to Grammatics manager at the time, Jay. Um, so he sent him some demos, and then my manager also knew Jay. Mm. So I think like like two people independently were like, like uh, kind of like, kind of champion my music. Yeah, you know. And sometimes it takes that when you have a ton of emails, you're like oh, a couple people are saying the same thing. Yeah, so, and
1: that's very true. So for
0: whatever that's reason, Jay opened that e- th- those emails and like oh yeah, Dennis might be interested in this. I think partially because it was like Balkan bump. Right and and I didn't even realize this, but Dennis is from the Balkans. He's he's Slovenian. I had no clue. I, I I just assumed he was from New York, honestly. Right. Um, or, or Colorado or something. Um. So he so Jay opened it. He forwarded it to Dennis, and within a few hours, Dennis wrote back like like love this music. Like I want to release this on my um my label, which was the goal to try to get a label distribution deal at that point. Um. So he agreed to put it on a low temp. He's like, I want to do also. I want to do a version of this track Imo with Talib Quali um so he ended up doing his own version of that track which came out on his album recoil um and then he invited me to play trumpet with him um it's like his biggest show of the year at, at um um it was like a new year's eve show at Hangar 5 in new york um so i played with him there show went really well and then he followed up like inviting me to do the whole tour with him opening up for him and playing trumpet with him Man. and then I, I played like yeah pretty much Pretty much almost all, I opened for him at almost, pretty much all of his tour dates for, like, a couple of years. Yeah. Pretty much up until the pandemic hit. Wow. And then, you know, all the Red Rock shows and, like, yeah, just, like, really, like, you know, like, um, and it's so funny because I, I recently, like, thanked him, like, at Red Rocks. Like, I just like, man, I just want to, like, thank you for, like, you know, championing my music. And it was so, this guy's so, like, br- brutally honest and, like, not sentimental. Like, I, lo- I love Dennis, but he's not the type to, like, you know, give you a hug and, Eastern like, European. throw out with you. Yeah. He's just like, what are you talking about? Like, you made my show better. Yeah. And he just kind of blew me off. <laughs> <laughs> so no funny. hugs. No hugs. Yeah. No crying. No crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It was so funny. But I get what he's saying, though. It's like... um,
1: well, that's amazing, man! That was, that's, what a what a journey! What a what um and it yeah it does sound like the stars had aligned and then like people people could tell like this yeah. was the move.
0: Oh, and then the other the other coincidence is on that that EP that the track that I was talking about the first thing was called Irfan, mm-hmm. which coincidentally is is Dennis's father's name. Wow, which is like wild.
1: Yeah, that is that is a coincidence. Yeah, for sure, kismet. <laughs> it's like
0: there's no way like, like like if I was like more soci- sociopathic, like I would have planned this whole thing. It's super weird. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I think the tip is right. Name your music after people. If you're trying to get signed to a demo or
0: a label, send name your demos. after Yeah, something really personal, yeah. or like figure out like like where they went to high school, or like yeah. who their childhood like, crush cat was. Name cat yeah. name. Name the track after that. At least they'll like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least they'll look at it. <laughs> Good association. Yeah.
1: Well, that's amazing. I, and I, I mean, I, I got to see you play for Moon Hooch. Or that's just, right. Yeah. yeah and like you nice. were such a, I mean they're so lucky to have you as an Aww. opener like you crushed it you had them in the palm of your hands and um i think that you know i've seen you like i've seen you play for grammatic i've seen you with closey i've seen you on your own solo show mm-hmm. now i've seen you with Moonhooch, and um i mean i i think i liked i liked that arrangement of you playing with with them and how you were complimenting that like what a what a great opening act oh. for, for them! So thanks, man. Yeah. yeah, it's it's
0: it's super fun to um, get to play in front of of uh, different different um, audiences that artists have built over time. You know, it mm-hmm. takes a long time to build like your fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonhooch has been doing it for about a decade. Grammatic a similar timeline. Um, Beats Antique similar timeline, maybe yeah. longer, <laughs> been longer,
1: almost fifteen. I think. you know. Yeah. So
0: when you're when you're opening for someone, um, you're you're you're, you're kind of entering a whole community of like all these references and values and yeah. like, and, um, and so I think about that a lot. You know, like I, I, I try to like watch YouTube if I haven't actually seen their music, which, which in the case of actually all these artists, I had been to a bunch of their shows, so that makes it easier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like actually yeah. I'm a fan of all these artists. <laughs> um, and uh, it's actually like something that like I, I try to only open for artists that I'm like genuinely a fan of. Like yeah. that I genuinely like want to be, like I would want to be at the show anyway. Yeah, and then it's just like a a huge perk. It's like I get paid to be there and and share my music for the community. Yeah, Um, uh, yeah. I try. I try to do that um, in general. Um, And yeah, opening super super fun because, uh, like, if a if you like totally suck, like like no one can ask for refunds because they like it's not your name on the poster, right? (laughs) So like you can you kind of get permission to like just try stuff a little bit more, right? Like if if it's your own headline show. Um, everyone's paying money to be there for you and it doesn't sound great. There's just a little more pressure there. Right. So because of that, like when you're opening, I, I when I'm opening, I find I get to just like, yeah, I get to try, I, I, I generally try to experiment a little bit more as an opener. Um, um and, um, also people are a little bit more sober cause you're like earlier in the night, right. so it's like easier to like have conversations with the audience and like interact with the audience and like a, a more just like basic, basic level which is fun. Like later in the night, you can't really, you can't really like stop the show and talk to people in the same way. It's harder to do that, you know, and I love doing stuff like that, like telling jokes and just yeah. getting silly. Yeah, you have good, stage. <laughs> you have great stage yeah. banter. Here. But I, I will say, yeah, it's way easier to do that earlier in the night. Is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, people get sloppy by like yeah. by like midnight. Yeah. It's like more an animalistic experience at that point, which is also super fun, yeah. you know, but.
1: Well, I, I, I wanted to go back, um, the track Amo. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, it got licensed for a super bowl commercial. yes yeah i wanted to ask you about that cause absolutely that's, that's massive yeah so it's how did, wild how'd that come about Tell wild me story. yeah
0: so imo was licensed by porsche um for their uh 2020 super bowl out of their their electric car um and it, it's one of those things that like apparently because i asked them i like set up a call after it all happens like how did you guys find this track like how did that happen because it it was like very random it seemed yeah. and it turned out, like, the the, the 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 music supervisor of the ad, um, like, just is a digger, you know? Just listens to... I mean, it, it's no so surprise. It's the person's job yeah. <laughs> to listen to music, but Good. they just listen to music all the time and just, like, I think heard the song and, like, it just inspired them on, like... It inspired them on the storyboard level, you know? So they um, they um they went with it on, like, some sketches and, like, everyone on the team was like, yeah, this works great and, like... The, I think one of the main kickers of why they chose that song was, like, right before the drop. It's like, <laughs> let's go. And then, like, it's a car ad. So, like, they rev their engines and they, the cars fly off. I mean, it's like a perfect little little moment. I think a lot of them, um, like, the word sync is interesting because it, it implies that there's a visual and an audio sync. Like, something, synchronized. something has to be synchronized. There has to be some moment that, like, links up in the music and the thing. Beyond just the mood, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, for you know, the edit for the edit to just really feel great. Right. Um, so I think that was one of the things that's like a
1: call to action. It's like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But it's funny. Um, like the world is so, so, so strange because like I've pitched my music for so many things right? and like most of them, I mean, and this is just during the sync industry and in general, you know, you pitch, you, you pitch a thousand things and like two things land, Yeah. but like, um, yeah, like this wasn't something I could have pitched, or right. any of my team could have pitched. Yeah, that world's <laughs> great.
1: That world's crazy, right? And it's yeah. very—it's a lot of gatekeepers, and you can't just like you know just send your music uh, half-assed. Like you have to have all your homework done. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, in the sync world, they ask for like one stop: is everything ready to go and be licensed? Is everybody registered? Oh yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, I mean, gosh, if there was any samples in that, right? Like it would have been Not done. Starter. Like even yeah. just a little snare hit or anything, yep. you know. Yep. Um, wow. So that that's something to think about too. You yeah. Know, for 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 any musicians or producers out in the audience, like yeah. um, if if you do use samples, it's worth having a version without samples at least. Yep. In case that ever happens, you can send them the new audio file. Yep. and Maybe they'll still want to use it.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and keep your stems. And yeah, do, yeah, and keep and your do stems. instrumentals. I like this. exactly yeah, all of that. That's super cool, and also have
0: your contracts straight. Like, like I had really good contracts with um with Grammatic, with Talib Quality, with Grammatic's label who put mm-hmm. out the track. Um, uh, so like everything was like ready to go when when the, when the sync happened. It was like, and like all the splits, the splits, were, already splits were
1: all good and
0: fair yeah, they were all like equitable and That's and really and cool. I was um, fortunate enough to work with collaborators that like. Um, were cool because I kind of, I started the track, you know, mm-hmm. it started with me. So they were cool to like sign off on, on the splits that I proposed, which, which were like fairly, like, they were pretty much exactly aligned with like the amount of work that everyone did. That's, that's you really know? good. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like often like the splits are more aligned with like the fame of the person, mm-hmm. you know, which in, in, in this case, like Talib and Grammatic were like way more well known than me. Right. so
1: that's that's i'm really glad to hear that so, yeah so when they play when the commercial aired yeah what was what was the experience what what were what were the yeah. things that kind of came your way
0: it was kind of surreal because um i uh i was playing gym and jam music festival mm-hmm. i you know this all happened like exactly three years ago basically wow. um yeah and so i was playing a music festival that weekend so i like i didn't really have my phone on that much in general um but, like, as soon as I turned my phone back on, you know, it was, like, tons of family. It was cool. It was, like, it was like friends and family mm-hmm. that were reaching out. Mm-hmm. People that, like, you know, I've known for my entire life mm-hmm. who, are like, live all over the country, you know, were, like, texting me, hey, is this your song? Or, like, oh, I heard your song on the ad, the commercial day. Because, like, for so many of these people, like, they're not going especially my friends that are like in their, you know, their thirties and forties and parents generation, like they're not going to like lightning in a bottle or going to these like raves or these festivals. (laughs) Like they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not like (laughs) honestly that into this type of music for the most part. Like, I mean, to be totally honest with you, like, like most of my old school friends aren't like, you know, yeah aren't like (laughs) brave to the grave, to the gravers, (laughs) you know, like I have a lot of new friends that are more on that tip, but, but, um. But they're all you know. A lot of these folks were just watching the game or whatever, and just heard my song. we like, yeah. "What?" So, what <laughs> so that was kind of cool. For like a billion people. It's right? something like this. Like a seventh yeah, yeah. of the planet. Heard I know. And that music. was that was the trip. Thinking about like all the the like world leaders, like Obama or like Donald Trump. That like, for sure. <laughs> like Donald Trump definitely heard my song. You know, <laughs> and like just thinking of like processing that is like yeah. weird. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just I just like couldn't get the, the vision of him like eating like McDonald's, watching like. <laughs> like in
1: the white house yeah like
0: dirty yeah with like a, a bib on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like, oh. like oh. it's creepy <laughs> yeah, <what's that>? <laughs> next <laughs> so
1: what about like the streaming numbers did you see a big yeah of, like, a nice wave or um, I mean there I, was, I guess the question is like it feels like it might be a massive I mean thing, it's, it's crazy possibly. like like
0: on one on one hand yeah you would think like because <laughs> so much, so much <laughs> of the industry is like oh like we're going to get you exposure right so like right so much of the narrative in the music industry is about like the impact that exposure can have right mm-hmm. on your career. And you would think having the exposure, like literally probably the largest singular exposure you, you, you can have mm-hmm. musically. I mean, it wasn't the halftime show, you know, obviously. Yeah. But, but as far as just like people hearing a song, ear balls, earballs, earballs, yeah. it was one of the largest like quote unquote exposures you, you could get as a, as a musician. Um, yeah, you would think that with like a billion people like, Oh, even if like 1% of those people like, shazam you and like listen to your music like that would be like a game changer mm-hmm. but um and it definitely did like like my numbers did rise a little bit mm-hmm. um but it's it's really the one thing I've, I've learned in this industry it's not really about exposure it's about like what happens next mm. it's about how to like convert exposure to action to people like you know following you on instagram or like right. joining your fan club or showing up to your shows um, and unfortunately with an ad like that, it's not like I can like jump on the mic and be like, Hey, did you enjoy the, my song in the Super Bowl ad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that's, so
0: there wasn't necessarily like a conversion of, of, um, fans. of fans. But I mean, obviously there's a bunch of like on the YouTube channel where, where the, where, the, where it like lives and has like, you know, millions and millions of plays. Like there's more opportunity for people to like, um, tag me and mm-hmm. like, share my music so yeah it's definitely had an impact but wow. it's not like it's not like all of a sudden the song went from like you know zero to hero like um, yeah. on the internet um uh but you know it got like i think the shazams went up yeah. i mean I, I would have to check now it wasn't like millions of shazams yeah. it was like tens of thousands well i mean still you know
1: so that that happened during the pandemic and then like at the same time you were saying like it was like you you thrive on live music yeah kind of like had some highs highs and lows lows
0: yeah, so that was a really, it actually was incredibly good timing because, you know, you know, I'll just flat out say like getting a sink deal like that is basically like a year of income, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for for me, you know, um, it was about a year worth of income, like all at once, which is very convenient because like all of my income just completely disappeared. <laughs> Not just mine, but like everyone's, everyone's yeah. right. Especially in the live, live sp- music space. Um, so yeah, it was like that happened. The the check cleared, and then like the next week, all my gigs were canceled. Wow. You know? wow. <laughs> so wow. the timing the timing was 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 very helpful in that sense. Yeah. Um. And and it, did, it the impact like in that way was was very very life changing in a yeah. lot of ways. Honestly, that's
1: beautiful. So you were you were talking about how you know you love to open up for acts. Um one of the um, the artists that I used to manage is b and t Right. Have that shared friendship and love for them. And I found this video of you playing with them that, you know, I think a uh, help with the show, uh, was at the Fox theater in Oakland. Yeah. And, uh, you had like a, what is it? 10 piece band. There's something like
0: that. Yeah. I, I can't Amazing. even keep track of how many yeah. musicians were, were on, on, stage. it was a large group. Um, and that was a hometown show for both, both Beats Antique and myself, you know, cause we're all, we're all based in Oakland. Um, so it was pretty cool to get, um, to get invited to open and also, um encouraged to 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 bring like such a large act by you and by yeah. beats and everyone it was like it was such a, a cool opportunity to like so often when you're opening like you have to like downscale your act a little bit because like the headliner has like the the big stage and you know it all builds up to the headliner show mm-hmm. um so it was really special to, uh, to get the invitation to like put together like a large ensemble you know and like dive into more like the performative and the you know the orchestrational aspects of the project um and I think I think one of the reasons why that that was encouraged by both you and by beats is because like they uh they have their performance like so dialed in and like it's so unique and like at such a high level that like I don't think they're like worried about like the opener like doing their thing so much which is really refreshing um and it's really really cool opportunity but yeah I had um My friend Ollie Paris played the Canoon, which is an Arabic harp. He also has, like, a voice of an angel, so he was singing. Um, And then I had two trombone players doing, like, low brass. Like, you hear this a lot in, like, trap and electronic music. Like, these like, boom, boom. But they were doing it live with the trombones, which is really sick. (laughs) And then I had my buddy uh, Marco play the Topon, which is this drum, a frame drum that you see throughout the Balkans. Um, It has, like, a low kind of bass drum side and a high, like, clicky kind of snare side, so you can get really... Really complete beats with this marching drum that he was playing, um, and then um, yeah, then the usual suspects. Um, I had Teddy, who was playing saxophone, um, and Morgan, uh, who goes by Maven. Now, a um, new place with me uh, currently, uh, she's playing clarinet. So wow. yeah, it was a pretty full house. That's
1: epic, and yeah, I love how you say like their their beats is not threatened, and they they really want. The crowd to have the best night ever, and they like leave it all out on the floor. So, and I think that they obviously respect you, and uh, you guys have collaborated, yeah, tracks together, and
0: yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Like they were definitely on like I mentioned it earlier, but they were like on a short list of groups that like I really, you know, like I said, like kind of set set a blueprint and like really um, opened a lot of doors for like this kind of like live electronic global um, music scene, right.
1: Like them, like Dirtwire as well. Dirtwire, you know, yeah, definitely,
0: yeah, yeah. Bonobo. Um, what did you do with Bonobo? Um, I got the opportunity to play trumpet with him on the North, North North Borders tour. Okay. Um, just regionally. So my buddy Todd Simon was doing a lot of the dates on trumpet. Um, right. and he couldn't do a handful of them, so I, I was able to to do like San Francisco. I played with, with him like. Yeah, twice in San Francisco and then in Chicago as well.
1: What did you learn about his process
0: and the orchestration and it was I'm so glad you asked that. I I could talk all <laughs> for another hour about this. Um, we can't because we gotta go to yeah, the yeah, airport. Yeah, we but we gotta, but tell um just the condensed version um is that um very high level of um details are really worked out. Mm. Um so mm. You know, Simon, who goes by Bonobo, um, made this record, The North Borders, which, you know, has a lot of orchestration on it, strings, um, horns, unusual instruments. Um, And normally the way that that happens on records um, in the EDM world is their samples or Best case scenario, like permitted samples, like like they'd get the rights to them and use like the orchestrations of an old jazz record or something like that. So at that time, it was pretty rare for a producer of that caliber to like actually have orchestrations, either, either do his own orchestrations or he, he had, you know, other people in his close scene like orchestrate musical ideas. Right. Um, and then what was even more rare is for the live show to actually have like, you know, a full string section, a full horn section with like, sheet music that was written meticulously you know in in the edm space this yeah, is like yeah very weird very weird very, very, very weird. weird yeah you know like like pretty lights an artist that i equally respect you know you listen to the record and you try to you try to decipher what he did with like a sample or something like this and in his case he actually made his own samples with pretty Lights. so that's a whole nother amazing right. thing that i admire yeah exactly i'm
1: like getting away from
0: sample. Yeah, yeah and then- Hiring musicians. He hired I mean. musicians and, like, it was really cool. Made a record basically that he then sampled. <laughs> That's true. And mess with. But, so like, then up until
1: that point, he had just been exclusively, like, a, you know, like almost like a hip hop sampling yeah, act. Yeah, yeah. Put it all together. Exactly. Which is a
0: talent and, and insane talent. Creative yeah.
1: in and of itself.
0: But, but it was but a really special record. um But anyway, with, 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 uh, I could talk about Pretty Lights for a whole other <laughs> hour too. Another artist I really admire. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, with bonobo what 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 reminded me of is like that these two worlds because I grew up you know I went to music school and like studied mm-hmm. orchestration and like studying production and like getting into electronic music felt like a completely new world like unrelated in so many ways obviously the music is music mm-hmm. but like as far as like the people doing it and like the way I was getting encouraged in electronic music and the way um so many of like my my, my I felt at least in my heart like people in like the jazz and classical world like maybe, weren't really that encouraging of me to like pursue electronic music. Um, so it was like this weird like kind of divide in my heart about like these musical traditions and then like new music and like this new exciting thing with like Ableton and home production and all this. And with with Bonobo, I was like, wow, this is like such a cool merger of these both worlds. Like having incredible string sections, incredible live music, like top of their game, instrumentalists, you know, playing flawlessly orchestrated like elect- like highest level electronic music like he's one of those guys. He's so respected by music producers. Yeah, and then he also gets like the London, you know, Symphony to play with him. Right. Like how many? <laughs> how many people in the world can say that? Yes, absolutely. And so getting an honor to be in that circle for just a few moments was like, like it just it just raised. It not only raised like the bar for me, but it, it created new ideas, yeah. new like things I didn't even realize like was okay. I didn't realize that that was like impossible mm. to do that yeah <laughs> to be honest
1: i mean i love what you're saying about like that dichotomy between the you know the theoretical the educated the music theory jazz you know yeah. institution
0: which by the way a lot of that is like very like eurocentric and right. problematic for a lot of reasons yeah. <laughs>
1: and then there's like the uh, electronic music almost like born out of hip-hop like some people don't even have any music theory at all. They don't even know what totally. song the keys in. They're so just like figuring, you know, totally. so breaking the best. all the rules, which is dope. Yeah. But then for those two things that come together.
0: Yeah, in like a really like there. not forced way either, yeah. you know, which is, mm. yeah, a lot of magic there. Wow. Um, highly inspiring. He, that he basically inspired me to make this album called Alligator Space Block, which was like a orchestral funk uh, electronic record that I made. Mm. Um, which uh that's
1: your like your that's the project name alligator spacewalk yeah it was like
0: an album under my name will Maggid, but okay. then i made a follow-up album and only put it under alligator spacewalk okay so there's actually two full-length records I'll um check those out nice. yeah that like the second one especially came out like right when balkan bump launched okay and i'm super proud of this record but like um i put absolutely i did like one album release party in san francisco oh uh, and then like very intentionally like put no effort into promoting it because i just didn't have the capacity because yeah. i was launching this whole I'm other thing running with another one yeah, yeah. i love that well, but i had to put it out it was <laughs> like it was like someone put a lot of time into it i'm like if i don't put this out right now it's never gonna get put out so All i just right. i put it out it's on the internet
1: well we'll drop a link on that yeah, please do we'll, Find it.
0: i wanted to ask you about um can I,
1: as we wrap this up golden bell like, yeah tell me about that and i think at least for me what's what's cool about that and illustrative is just like working inside and being a creative in your path and all of the amazing things you've done, but also this grounding business yeah. entrepreneur spirit with, with that.
0: Yeah. Thank you for asking. Cause it, it, it's something that like Gold, golden belts to just, just uh, the quick, quick version of what it is for those of you in the audience that don't know it's um, we've kind of become one of the leading um, companies to provide uh, music for private events and weddings but like specifically live electronic music. Mm-hmm. So like if people are looking for a DJ, they probably won't find us. If people are looking for a live band, they probably won't find us. But if they're looking for the space in between, you know what, what I do and you know what Beats Antique does and and Grammatic and a lot of these artists who are, are blending um, DJing with live instruments, um, if you're looking for that for like your wedding or for your holiday party for your company, like you'll probably find Golden Bell. Um, we have I've been just doing it. Like I, I basically spent my entire 20s yeah. like Develop like not touring, not really pursuing original music that much. I mean, only on a local level, and did mostly focused on like building building um, this business. And then when like when Grammatic invited me to tour, it kind of forced um, Golden Bell to like become more of a real company because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to be touring, so I need to have like other people. So I started with my friend Chris who joined in, and he DJ's and plays sax, and then I trained like. You know, Morgan, Ma- Morgan, who plays clarinet with me, she DJs and plays clarinet. Teddy DJs and plays sax. Um, so, and, and we started in the Bay Area, but now we have a team in L.A. Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. who is with Hello Yes, DJs and plays sax. He also tours in Zoo. So, like, when he's not touring with Zoo, um, you know, he's DJing weddings and private events and playing saxophone. And what's really cool, and we also have a team in, in Denver, like some of the people from Odessa are doing music. Really? Um, nice. At, at private events. So you're
1: in San Francisco? L.A., LA Denver,
0: Denver, and a small team in New York and right. Brooklyn. Um, and basically just like all the horn players and d- drummers out there who are doing this sort of live electronic thing, um, when they're not touring, it's really nice to have like well-paid local gigs, sure. you know? So that's kind of like we have this collective of, of like a lot of musicians and DJs that are doing yeah. this sort of work when they're, when they're not touring. And it's also really, it's, it's honestly a lot more sustainable than touring, mm-hmm. like being able to make a living locally as mm-hmm. a musician. And work on your records, um, it's a lot, it puts a lot less stress on your life than like having to jump on planes and, yeah, and, and you can cars have a partner all the time. And, exactly. And a, and a, like get to sleep in your exactly. own bed and things like that. Exactly. And it, and it also just <laughs> maybe per- take care of your health a little bit. Yeah, too. exactly. And, and like, um, I've just had like so many, you know, wedding, weddings kind of get like a bad rep in this industry because it's like, it feels like this cookie cutter industry, you know, or like, sure. You know, but the truth of the matter is there's so many cool couples out there. And it's such an honor to like be asked to bring the music to their to their mm. wedding. and like more often than not, the people that find us are pretty cool, so like yeah maybe they've been to Balkan Bump shows or, or been to grammatic shows. That's a great attitude, right? you know?
1: rather than being put out by it.: Yeah, yeah if you're going to go into it without attitude, then you're probably going to have a shitty time, but if yeah. you like honored and like like want to bring your your full talents and, and, and abilities to that, to that moment, then you can really add to it.
0: Totally. It's,
1: it's, a, it's, it's not an easy gig, though. There's a lot oh, of pressure, no, no. right? It,
0: it's, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's the biggest, I mean, it's cheesy to sound like the biggest day in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And like, you know, when someone's spending like a very significant part of their, their savings on one day, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of pressure to get things right. And, and yeah. it's not always the music things. It's like arriving early and setting up sound checks. It's like pr- pronouncing, you know, the father of the bride's like weird last name correctly when you announce him for his speech that's like that's learn. really important you know yeah. if you miss that up you're gonna get all these weird looks on um, the timing making sure that when you announce something all the people are in the room that, that all the photographer is able to take the photo that the bride and groom are both there that you're everyone can kind hear of quarterbacking you. yeah you're quarterbacking the whole yeah. thing and 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 it it really it's such good training though because like you do you do weddings and then you get to a club where there's like already a sound system there's like a sound engineer there you only have to do one set it's like yeah, it's it's it honestly, you up, it allows, yeah, it blows you up for sure. I
1: think that's really good advice, man. I would, I would, I don't take that lightly. I've DJed yeah. some some weddings and what I say is like if you can rock a wedding, you can probably rock anything because you're playing a, from a five-year-old kid exactly. to a 95-year-old exactly. grandma. Exactly. Sorry. And it forces you to know your musical history yeah. and understand like when when should I play some funk, when should I play some hip-hop, and like that pacing and arrangement of the night. Yeah. And like you said, and, and on the business level, it sounds like that has given you an, a leg up because some of the artists that we work with, sometimes they don't have any business fundamentals at all yeah it's a lot to learn so yeah it's amazing And uh, kudos to like giving your crew a a way to make a sustainable living as well
0: yeah and and like
1: and staying true to what you're doing you know and really leveraging your like your some of your superpowers which is yeah like like, we still get to do what we do and do it well yeah Yeah, that's awesome oh thanks man well well, well done. Thanks. Man.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been cool. And well, it, it, it definitely supports like the Balkan bump thing. Like I'm able to like pursue Balkan bump with like a little more like level headedness economically.
1: Right. I don't you have can, to,
0: You I, can be more focused. On yeah. That. Like theoretically I can put out like a weird album that like doesn't do well, but like for myself and not, yeah. not like, and still pay rent, you know, which is important.
1: <laughs> I love that, man. Wow. Well, what a beautiful story, man. I want to, I know, I know we got to get to the airport. Oh yeah, that's right. And, I know. um, Thank you for sitting down with thank me, you, Jesse. Thank you for being my first guest. Aww, my brother, thank you, brother. <laughs> what a treat! Um, anything else coming up? You got, you got, yeah, an EP, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: I have, I have like a couple EPs in the work. One, one's like already finished. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already released um, a few of the singles from it, uh, "Sleepless" and "Robot." It's called "Desert Drip." I'm currently on the "Desert Drip" tour. Yes. Um, so the next single is going to get released uh, in a couple weeks, um, awesome. which is called "Prayer Song," and it's uh, it features Maz Atar, who's a incredible sitar player uh we made a really cool video too like in B- bodega bay in california like on the coast where we're like sitting down and it's very meditative and peaceful and tranquil and a lot of this ep is like it's a little more like meditative kind of down tempo um and then i'm following up with another ep which is like with a lot of collaborators so i have a track with with ahi um and um uh probably moon Hooch. We're, we're finishing up a collab together um and then i have a track on a uh, manic focuses new record that he's finishing up um, which i'm really excited about as well so there's a lot of like putting out like a little calm before the storm like some really beautiful music and mm, then nice then there's going to be a lot more like party right. time music coming out after that and then i want to make another full length record I, I i haven't totally conceptualized it yet but busy man yeah love it i love full length records love they're, they're it. fun so yeah i i do too
1: and i feel like it's it's people are losing that you know, it's like less and less encouraged to do that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm go for it, man. Yeah, I yeah. Think it's so important to, to to like if people stop making albums, then the album concept will go away, and then like I think th- these new upcoming generations won't really have that beautiful wow. moment of like sitting down and listening to a record from start to finish.
0: Wow, I never thought about that. Which we, it's like yeah. I mean, it, you're right though. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like I remember like listening to kind of blew the Miles Davis album, like, over and over again, front front to back, back. over and over again, like
1: a, like an hour long meditation, yeah, really can't sit and focus and dive in deep and you all these thoughts come up. And it's really, it's really important. Yeah, these playlists and Spotify, like they, they're beautiful for their time and place. And like, you want to throw on a cooking playlist or whatever, that's great. But like, don't let's not forget the, the intentionality behind an album, you know, that, bonobos albums like just carry you through they're so good
0: i know and and it's interesting because people love live shows for that reason and like because you you get to go on a journey with an artist so i i I think the live show thing will always be there and as an artist you always have that the ability to create an experience through a live show but it is sad that like that albums are like less and less um promoted promoted encouraged by the industry which makes sense it's like it's a lot of work for like the general consensus is like, oh, you're better off putting out like two or three EPs. Right. like, And it's true from a promotional aspect, you'll yeah. get more legs from that. But um, I'm trying to like drip songs and then drip EPs and then like potentially use some of the songs from those EPs and then fill in the blanks and then write a few more songs to make an album. So it's like kind of the best of all the world. Still we'll have singles, still we'll have EPs, sure. and then the album will, you know, be using different components. Well, I of those love different that. Things.
1: I, I love that because it's a whole new world with digital music, right? And you can repackage and recontextualize things. Yeah, exactly. Just because the song came out a year ago doesn't mean it can't also live on an album. Yeah. And if people know that, they go, okay, like this is my reference totally. point to that album. Bring them in.
0: Yeah, and um, I've seen that done really well. Like the gigantic, they do that quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, we did know? that with Hello
1: Yes, where it was like first single, and then the second single came out, and the first first single is attached to the second single. Then the third single mm-hmm. came out, and then the two f- songs that were just out. So it's like, it's it's called the waterfall strategy. I love that. And that, that gives you ability to keep exposing people to that, the music that you put yeah, yeah. out.
0: I love it. Oh, um, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, we got to yeah. jump on this flight. Great to have you, brother. <laughs> thank you very much. Right.
1: Talk soon. All right. <laughs>